Hey, we're going to jump into today's uh, message. We're starting a new series today. It's called I Have Decided. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about it because um, I was hoping this would be the first series that we'd start going back to the theater. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be maybe another, another little while before we get to the theater. And so I don't want to put it off. I wanted to jump in and just talk about it. Because I think there's a lot of people maybe that are watching that don't maybe have questions about uh, what it means to be a Christian. Right? What does that word mean? Um, because in our, our day and age, sometimes the Christian word, that word Christian, doesn't mean what it used to mean. And unfortunately, a lot of times what happens when we talk about Christians is, uh, or evangelicals, in other words, that's used, right? Now, we've taken away the original meaning from it, and we now associate it with things that people are against. And we miss that, um, the part that we're for. And so in this season, I want to talk about, um, you know, um, the decision we have in front of us uh, to what that looks like when we make the decision to follow Christ. Because a Christian is just a Christ follower. It's somebody who is following the example of Christ and trying to be like him. And so we're going to talk about that for this series. What does that look like? And how is God um, inviting us? What does God invite us into? And so, you know, when it comes to um, this season, um, you know, I've talked to a few people that said when they, some people just got off social media completely. Um, others, they've, um, they've had to make the decision to unfollow certain friends that they have on social media because it disturbs their day and it disturbs what they see and what they're posting. And so there's, uh, in, our, in our, this season, there's a lot of people that are speaking a lot, Right. And there's a potential for a lot of people to influence our lives. And that could be a good thing, but also could be a negative thing. And, and so when we talk about being a follower, being a Christian, being in life, the truth is we're all following somebody or something. Right? All of us are. Uh, we're being influenced by somebody, or in some cases someone or even a group of people. So the question is not, not am I following, but who am I following? In this season, who am I following? You know, what are those, um, those voices that are allowed in my life? Is it uh, the news and maybe a news outlet? Is it a, maybe a political party, whatever that is? Uh, we begin to listen uh, from their perspective. And if we only listen to that perspective, we will begin to believe everything that perspective says. And we have to be careful of that because um, they're not always correct and they're always right. And so in the season of, of asking the question, who am I following? Who, who, is, who am I allowing to influence my life? Um, so for this series, let me just put it out there, right? So if you're watching and maybe you're not a Jesus follower, maybe you're just seeking, maybe you're just wondering, like, what's, you know, I'm looking for something in life that's going to help me. Uh, maybe for a while you've been kind of saying, you know, I don't know if I want to go all in. If you're just seeking, let me just tell you, at some point in this series, we're going to give you a chance, hopefully to explain what it means to follow Christ, but then we're going to give you a chance to actually make that, take that step and say, I want to become a follower of Christ. And then there's some of you watching that you would say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower. And uh, for some, maybe that's a new, new thing in your life, or others, it's been a long time. And for us in this series, the challenge I'm going to say is we need to grow up. All of us that are, that are following Christ, we need to take these, make these decisions to mature, right? For some, that's a small step. For others, that's going to be a, a larger step, a big step. Step, But we all need to make sure that we um, are allowing God to mature us and, and grow us in this, in this season. And so whether you're seeking and you're saying, I don't know if I want to, I want to learn more before I step in, we're going to talk about that, what it looks like. And if you are following, what does it look like to allow God to work in our hearts to become more of what he wants us to become? And so in this, on this journey of, of who we allow to influence, uh, my prayer in this series is that there'd be a lot of people who say, you know what, I'm going to make a decision. I have decided that I'm going to follow Jesus my, myself, all right? So let me, let me read you a, a passage of scripture. When Jesus, um, he comes onto the scene, he begins his ministry, and he begins to call some, some of these young, young men um, to follow him, the disciples. They're known as disciples. And for the series, we're going to look through the, diff- the four different gospels. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What's incredible about the four gospels is there are four eyewitness, there are four accounts of, of, the, of the life of Jesus. Which, if you look in history, there's not that many accounts of famous people like this, right? And so we look at the stories and the history of, of what they're saying. And there, two of them are disciples, and the other two are 
um, people that were eyewitnesses to the other disciples that wrote these stories and, and gathered it. And so these four different Gospels give us four different pictures and, and even, we can even say, faces of Jesus, the Messiah, and even their approach, right? So um, one is written to one specific group of people, where the others are written to other groups of people. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, what that looks like. And so today we're going to start in the first Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to read a little bit of his story, talk about his story. And each week through this, I've decided we're going to talk about the different uh, the Gospels and how they wrote in their, uh, this invitation that Jesus made to some of them. And so let's start in the book of Matthew, Matthew 9. It says this, that as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. So Matthew's writing this, this book, and he tells a story about himself, right? And, and so Matthew, in, in another gospel, actually says he has another name, uh, Levi, uh, son of Alphaeus. And so Levi, um, which his Christian name would have become Matthew, the gift, a gift from God, right? And uh, we know that it's, it's a, it's, he, he made a decision, decision to go with the name Matthew, and he, he wrote the, this, this gospel uh, sharing the good news of Jesus' life. And so he's telling his story. And uh, what it says is Jesus was from one miracle, Jesus performed a miracle, and he's going from this area he's walking through. He sees this man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. And what's amazing about the scriptures, about the Bible, is there's these details that are in there that are always pointing at a larger story. And if we just skim through and read too fast, we, sometimes we miss it. And so when, when you think of um, what, what this sentence, this verse means, um, it's a lot. Uh, so Jesus is, is, is walking past this man sitting at a tax collector's booth, right? And let me just tell you a little about tax collectors, right? So, so in Jesus' day, tax collectors were among the most hated people in Jewish society, right? Um, for one, they were traitors to their people because uh, they sold themselves to the Roman government to work for the government, right? They would essentially, um, they, they would bid for this right to, to, to take taxes from people. And the more taxes they took and the more w- ways they could figure out how to take more taxes, the more money they made, right? And uh, what, what that meant is they had to give a portion to Rome, but whatever else that they can collect, they got to keep, which meant, means it's very lucrative. You can make a lot of money as a tax collector. But it also meant that they were considered thieves to the Jewish people. And uh, they were... Um, always in contact with Gentiles, which would make them unclean, and, and also in that at the time. And so they were just, they just were despised, all right? And so it says that Jesus, he, he's going, he sees this, this man who's a tax collector's booth, and he actually says to him, Matthew, come and follow me. I was reading this um, um, a commentary on the, on the book Gospel of Matthew, and Warren Worsby, he says this about the Gospel of Matthew. He says, Matthew made it clear that this new people, the church, must not maintain a racial or social exclusiveness, Faith in Jesus Christ makes believers all one in the body of Christ, the church. So out of the four Gospels, Matthew is the only one that mentions the word church, this idea of this new people group, right, who's going to be considered the church, the body of Christ. And, and, and this, this, commenta- uh, this um, commentator, he's saying that uh, when, when he looks at the story of Matthew, one of the stories that we see that stands out is Matthew is saying a statement in his, in his Gospel that Jesus is saying... It's not about one race. It's not about one people group. It's not about one specific person. It's about everybody. Um, later on, Paul, another follower of Christ, he would go on to write to a book to the church in Galatia. And he says it echoes the same idea of, of what's taking place in Matthew. He says this, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So Jesus, the gospel, right? The, the church, we're inclusive. We say everybody's welcome. 
We want you to be a part of it, right? We can add to this, white or black. There's not white or black. You know, there's not, there's not the separation that one group is better than another group. But in the church, it's guided by all of us as children of God, made people that are made in the image of God to be one. And so when Jesus shows up and it says that he saw this man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, what, he, what Matthew is saying, here's this guy who's despised, and it's him. He's writing the story about himself. Here's this man who's despised, and Jesus stops and says, Matthew, follow me. He told Matthew, follow me, and Matthew got up and followed him. So you see this invitation that Jesus makes to the tax collector, right? Matthew, Levi, the son of Alphaeus. And he says, come and follow me. So maybe, maybe to help you understand what, what this means is uh, it's hard for us to get the same emotions, right, that, that maybe the people, especially the disciples, because at this point, Jesus had already called a couple other people, like Psalm, Simon Peter, right, who's very pro-Jew, Jewish. And, and so when he invites Matthew, you can imagine Peter would have been maybe more of like the, um, the very conservative he, he's looking at Jesus saying, uh, wait, 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 um, you're going to invite him to our team, like our group? Like, no, no, he doesn't belong here, right? So maybe the emotions we can enlist, as I heard one, one pastor say, maybe the, the best way we can explain it is this would be like that young, uh, the young person who's, you know, selling drugs to, to teenagers, right? That would be, that would be what, almost the, the emotion that you would, you would feel when you think of somebody in society when, when Matthew is, is saying, Jesus, you're asking this, this kind of person to be a part of our team? Like, don't you know who he is? Like, don't you know he traded us? He's a traitor. No, he, he's not even a part of our, our community anymore. Like, he doesn't even... And, and, and it, here, it shows Jesus is saying, I see something, I see potential in people that maybe even you would say that are different, that aren't, aren't, aren't like you. And we have this tendency, especially now in our nation, right? There's this lot of racial tension that's going on. We have a tendency to like people who look like us and to be around people who think like us. And we have this tension in our nation to op- oppose the opposite and even to make... And, and them the enemy and make paint paint the, with with broad strokes right to make them look really bad so that we can look really good and here Jesus shows up in the scene in the middle of very similar things that are going on even in our nation there and he's saying wait wait if you're be part of my kingdom let me show you what this looks like Matthew you come follow me come and follow me J- Peter you you follow me but I also want Matthew to come and follow me hey and just to illustrate this why don't you guys be room roommates right can you imagine that in our society, if you you saw two very extreme people, maybe as political, maybe as racial, whatever, and and people that would oppose each other, and Jesus would say, "You follow me, you follow me," and why don't you just hang out a little bit? Because I want to teach you something about the kingdom of God. It's not about one specific kind of person, one specific kind of race. It's about the it's about humanity. It's about something so much bigger than just the things that we tend to say are important. Just the things that we tend to make it about what, what we make it about. And Jesus invites him in. And so Matthew, he opens his heart to Jesus Christ, and he becomes a new person. He begins to follow Jesus. I bet you that was not an easy decision for Matthew to make, right? He would have lost a lot of friends. In fact, we know that he's from Capernaum, and Capernaum rejected Jesus. He rejected, rejected the Lord. So he's making even another statement of saying, I'm going to embrace somebody that even my hometown rejects. And, and, and Matthew would have been a, a well-known businessman, you know, making money, and maybe persecution from his old friends, right? Uh, there's a lot of lot he would have to lose to follow Christ. But he makes his decision to follow Christ. So, so Jesus passing after miracles says, he says, tax collector Matthew, come and follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. What's interesting is the next sentence, there's not a lot of gap between there, there's not a lot of space, but the next instance, it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So notice this, um, the first thing that Jesus does is he goes and has a meal 
with Matthew and all of his friends. In fact, it says, and so Jesus' disciples, which we'll see in a second, are there. Uh, Matthew's friends and his sinners. And what's interesting is notice how, remember I said Matthew was despised? Notice, notice the phrase there. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. So they were so despised that people that would consider themselves sinners didn't even want to be called tax collectors. So like there was sinners and then there was tax collectors. Like you want to know what the worst of the worst is? It's the tax collectors, right? They're, he, he, they're making a statement of saying they're not even good enough to be considered even just a sinner, but they're their own category. And it says that they, came, they went and ate with him. What's interesting about Jesus is when, he, when he's, his story is he hung out with people that were nothing like him. And the people that were nothing like him, they wanted to hang out with him. They wanted to have food. They wanted to eat and enjoy. And the people that were nothing like him actually liked him. I think that's very interesting. And I, I hope for us as a, as a church to grow as, as Jesus followers, right, that that would be something said of us in our community, that people that are nothing like us still like us. Why? Because we care for others. We don't, we don't let the differences separate us. We don't let the things that are going on in our world keep us from loving others, no matter if they believe what we believe or not, but that we would love others. And so in, the, in this, this interaction, right, Jesus goes to his house and has this meal and has a conversation. And in the next sentence, it says this, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So the Pharisees would be the religious people of Jesus' day, right? These are the ones that are... Sending, making sure everybody's paying attention. These are the judges. These are the ones that are um, out there trying to get everybody in order, right? And they're saying, wait, wait, why, do you, why does your teacher hang out with tax collectors and sinners? Like, the, like, isn't he supposed to be a religious person? Isn't he supposed to be really important? Why is he hanging out with people that are nothing like him and nothing like us? And it says that Jesus, I'm hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It's not the healthy, but it's the sick who need a doctor, and Jesus is making a statement. He says, I'm not coming here, right, to, to, to save those that are healthy. I'm coming here to save those that are sick. And then he goes on and says this. He says, but go and learn what this means. And this would have been um, kind of a, a hit on the religious people because they studied their Bibles. They knew scriptures. But he says, go and, go and study this. Go and learn what it means. I, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So he quotes from the prophet Hosea. And he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, because I've called, come to call the righteous, not the righteous, but the sinners. So Jesus is saying, the purpose that I'm here is not to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. Call, find those that are far from God. Not those who think that I'll have it all together, but I'm here for those that would admit, I need God's help. I can't do it without him. Those are the people I've come for, Jesus says. That's why I've shown up, to help those that are desperate, those that are in need of God's help. Because the ones that don't think they need God's help, they're never going to get it because they don't need it. They can do it on their own. Little do they know, though, that they're still missing a larger part. Because here's, so here's what happened. Religion, this is what religion says. Change, and then you can come join us. See, the Pharisees, they showed up. They were saying, whoa, 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 those are tax collectors and sinners. They can't be part of us until they leave that, and they, they become like us before. So they have to change before they can join us. But Jesus says, join us, and you will change. Different approach there. See, a lot of times I, think, I hear people, they say Christianity is a religion. No, Jesus didn't set up Christianity to be a religion. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's an invitation for us to follow Jesus and his example and his lead. And see, what happens is he, when he calls them, religion is about performance. Religion is about doing all the right things. And Jesus is saying, no, being a Jesus follower is about relationship. It's about you saying yes to God. It's about you saying, today, how do you want me to live? How do you want me to act out? How do you, what do you want me to do with my life? Because here's what happens when... When Jesus is calling Matthew to be to follow him, he's essentially saying, would you come and be a disciple? Right? Would you come and be a student of me? 
that you would begin to learn. Because when we hang out with people, when we allow voices to influence our life, at some point, we're eventually going to become like that person, right? So if you hang out with somebody who does something really well, take me skiing, for example. If you go with somebody who's a really good skier, after a little bit of time, you're going to become more a better skier and you're going to begin to do what they do, right? They're going to teach you their ways and you're going to become better. And what they do, you get better at it. So when we have an influence in our life, we become more like that person. And what Jesus is saying in this instant, he's saying, hey, the Christian life, the, the journey I'm inviting to, it's a feast. It's not a funeral. Religion tends to make it a funeral, but I'm trying to make it a feast. Because here's the truth when you're following somebody. It's impossible to be a disciple or a follower of someone and not end up like that person. See, I, I meet a lot of people who say, I'm a, I'm a Christian or I'm a Jesus follower. But if they're not looking like Jesus and talking like Jesus, they actually are not a true disciple or follower because they've not allowed Jesus to lead them. They're doing their own thing. They're, they're wanting to, to, to perform. They're wanting to add up just out of, out of word, not out of deed, not out of action. And that's the whole point of being a, a, a Jesus follower is this, the disciples, that we imitate him, we carry on his ministry, we become like him in the process. Jesus is concerned more about us becoming. He's more concerned about us about being, us being honest than just performing. He's more concerned about us um, helping others and caring for others, right? He's inviting us to say, on this journey, let, help me, let me allow you to become the person I've always wanted you to become. So a few things about following Jesus, right? A Jesus follower. If you're going to follow Jesus, number one, let me say this, that being a sinner does not disqualify you. So if you're a sinner, it doesn't disqualify you. It's actually a prerequisite. What I mean by that is every single person that said yes to Jesus was a sinner, myself included. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says, that we all mess up. It's a prerequisite. But here's what, 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 what that means is you have to actually acknowledge it, that you're separated from God, that your choices have kept you from God's best in your life. So it doesn't disqualify us. It actually is a, it's, it's the first step to realize that we need that, that, that there's nothing in this world, there's nothing in life that we've done that could put us outside of God's grace, outside of God's love. He invites us into that and says, no, that, those things don't disqualify you. They actually give you the ability, once you recognize it and realize it, to actually become what I want you to become. The second thing about following Jesus is this. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. In fact, none of Jesus' earliest followers even believed. If you, as you read through the Gospels, you'll see that two years into the process, it says he did these things, and then finally the, the disciples are like, whoa, I believe. Like two years he was with them before even some of them began to believe. Some didn't even believe until after he was crucified and resurrected. In fact, one of his half-brothers, James, one of the, the, the best examples we have in, in, the, in the scriptures of, of, of talking about how Jesus is, is, is the Son of God, after Jesus died and came back to life is when he finally believed. It took a lot. It took a lot uh, for them. So if you're an unbeliever, that doesn't disqualify you, even Jesus' followers. But they did say at some point, I want to follow this guy. I want to begin to, to trust him with my life. He invites them and he invites us to follow him. And it's going to take some time for some of us to really experience what God has. That doesn't disqualify us. It means it's an invitation to say, I'm going to begin this journey. The third thing in following Jesus is this. The invitation to follow is an invitation to relationship. Don't ever, ever forget this one when it comes to following Christ. It's an, the invitation when, when God says, come and follow me, it's actually come, come and let's have a relationship. Let, let's, let us be about um, a healthy, ongoing conversation, a relationship between two people. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. It's not doing the rules, doing this, doing that. No, it's saying in a relationship that we are in, engaging and acting. You know, in, in my relationship with my wife, if, just because I follow all the rules in marriage doesn't mean I'm a good husband. It doesn't mean I have a good marriage. You could follow all the rules and everything and not have a healthy relationship. 
Why? Because it takes us saying, I'm not going to just do the right things. I'm going to actually be engaged with the person. I'm, I'm going to have opportunities for us to get healthy and stay healthy, right? And, and here's the thing. Um, I don't do things for, for my wife or in marriage because I have to, because it's the thing to do. I do them because I love my wife. And because I love my wife, it's easy to say no to a lot of other things. And when people begin to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to follow Christ because I love him, because I care about this relationship, it changes the dynamic because we're not just doing things for the performance and for the sake of doing it. We're doing it because we care about the other person. We trust what the other person is asking us. We listen to what the other person is saying. And then that relationship, we actually find that we become a better person. So my wife and I, you know, one of the, one of the gifts of marriage is that all the rough edges, little by little, get knocked off, Right? Because they get bumped against and they get they get hit and you realize like, well, that's not a good aspect in my life. I need to change that. And hopefully for my wife, she'd say the same thing. There's some things that, that they get bumped up and knocked and we, we make each other better. You know, in our relationships with with uh, with God, with others, he's, he's wanting us to, to, to care about that person, to listen. See, to, religion says focus on all the do's and the don'ts. Focus on what you can do, what you don't. And the, the Pharisees, they had it down. In fact, they were always following, watching people saying, well, whoa, no, you're breaking the rules, you're breaking the rules, you know, stop it, cut it out, you're, you're, you're a sinner, stop it. And Jesus is saying, just trust me, let's follow, go on this journey with me. Let's love people, let's care for people, let's feed people, let's help people. And it's an invitation to a, a process of us becoming the kind of people God wants us to become. When we get stuck with just the doing, we actually miss out on relationship with God. You know, when I, when I think of... Um, um, us trying to stop from doing things in our lives, you know, maybe bad habits, maybe addictions. You know, psychologists actually say that when we, we try to do it out of just um, strength, um, out of I'm, I'm going to force myself just to not to do this, that the more we deny ourselves something that's very powerful to us, the more it heightens that thing. So like by, by us just saying this in my own uh, willpower, my own, my own ability, like we actually make the addictions and the things that we desire even greater in our lives because we're trying to do it out of, out of this force of, I can't, I have to, I have to, I have to. Where imitation relationship is different. It's not, you don't, don't, don't do this and don't do that. It actually comes to, if you'll trust me, something better is waiting for you. Completely different from saying, you can't do this to, you get to do this. You choose to do what's right so it leads to something better. Rather than saying, I'm going to stop myself from doing everything bad, everything bad, everything bad, and at some point I'm going to become a good person. No. You start doing what you're supposed to do, and in that process you become the person you're supposed to become. It leads us. In fact, one of the, one of the things Paul says about, about Jesus and about God is it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. The only way you know about kindness from somebody is if you're in proximity, if you have proximity to them, if you're close to them. You, you can't know somebody's kindness if you don't have a relationship with them. It's, it's about us having this interaction, right? So we have to understand that sin doesn't disqualify us. Unbelief doesn't disqualify us. That's invitation to follow Jesus, actually invitation to relationship. And the fourth thing is this, that following forces me to focus where, on where I am rather than where I'm not. When I say yes to Jesus, it forces me to focus on, on the, where I'm currently at in my life, right? What I'm doing, where I'm at, not where I'm not. Religion says you're not that. You're not, you're not, you're not. And, and God is saying, Let me, let's start where you are and let's begin to walk that way. Right, so my responsibility to be be aware of where I am. Right, um, what happens to religious people is at some point they stop following and they just become the judges. See, the religious people, it wasn't about them um, doing what they're supposed to, the right thing. They were just doing what the what, what the, the commandments were, and then they're trying to force everybody else to do that. And over and over and over, they're just living out of this um, 
something that they have to do, they're forced to do. And at some point, any, any Jesus follower that becomes hard, that becomes cynical or judgmental to people that don't like them, I guarantee you, at that point you've stopped following and all you're doing is judging others. All you're doing is pointing out things that aren't, people aren't doing. And Jesus' invitation is not that at all. Um, in fact, there's an interaction between the, the two of the disciples, and they say, well, what about the other disciple? And Jesus says, what of it? Like, that, that's not important. It's you and me right now that are talking. This is what's important. Not what's going to take place with him, but what's taking place with us. Jesus was so brilliant because he's always saying, hey, let's talk about us. Let's talk about this moment. Let's not just point the fingers at everybody else. What are you doing in the moment? Because here's the truth. The more that I focus on what God has yet to do in me, the less critical I am of what God has yet to do in you. The more I focus on what God is trying to do in me, I'm not out there judging what everybody else is doing. I'm not judging what, what, what God hasn't done in their life yet. Why? Because I'm not focused on them. I'm focused on me. I'm not focused on you. I'm focused on me. Religion says, let's focus on others. Being Jesus followers says, let's focus on me. All right? So when, when I'm, when I'm um, allowing God to lead me, and I'm saying, am I following God? Right? Where am I in this process? Right? Am I, am I becoming better because I'm following Christ? I'm focused on what he wants to do in my life, not just what he wants to do in others. What I see a lot of times in our society right now is there's one side pointing out everything that, that their, the other side is doing wrong. But they never point out what they're doing wrong. You notice that? And the other side will point out everything the other side is doing wrong, but they never try to fix what's going on in their camp. And if we're not careful, we'll become the people that are always pointing at everybody else and all the while they ignore what's going on inside of our lives. Jesus' invitation is not, hey, let's go fix everybody else. His invitation is, hey, let's fix you. Because when you become better, the world becomes better. And if we will do that, all each of us saying, God, you work in my life and allow me to love others, allow me to become the person I become, those around us actually have a little bit more heaven. Why? Because I'm bringing it. That's part of Jesus' prayer, right? That, that heaven, let, let it be done here on earth as it is in heaven, in my life as it is in heaven. I bring more of heaven to earth. When the church is done right, it's one of the most attractive places to be in all of the city. When, when, when the grove is on mission, loving others that look nothing like us, those that are far from God, we're the most attractive place to be. Why? Because there's security, there's confidence that people are looking for. They're saying, I want to go somewhere that knows where they're going, what they're doing, that loves others, even when I'm different from them. And they invite us, and God invites us in that journey to be that church. So I guess the question you have to ask is, am I following Jesus? Today, are you following Jesus? Yesterday, in your actions, in your words, in your deeds, were you following Jesus? Or were you doing your own thing? Or were you following a political party or a news outlet? Who are you following, right? Who are you following? Are you following a donkey? Are you following an elephant? If you are, I would say neither of those are ever going to satisfy, ever going to bring. You know, you should follow a lion. Jesus is known as a lion. He's saying, would you come and follow me? I'm, I'm going to show you what it means to be king. I'm going to show you what it means to protect. I'm going to show you what it means to be different, to make a difference in this world. So for some of us that are watching, you know, some of us, it's a small step. Like Matthew, he just said, Matthew, come and follow me. Which that, that was a kind of big step to take away. But what was a small step? What can I do right now? Hey, invite your friends. Let's get together. Let's just have a meal. And Matthew invited his tax collector friends and other sinners, and they came and had a meal. Just a small step. Just, just what can you do today to take that next step? Right, what is the next step? It's a small step. It's a next step. And at some point, maybe a big step. For some of us, it might be a big step. So whether you're following Jesus, right, um, or not, he's asking us, there's another step to take. For you that aren't following yet, maybe that step is maybe just to begin to say, God, I want, I want to begin to try this. I want to 
and in fact, I would dare you, as you read through the Gospels, begin to say, what does he teach? Let me try this. And what you'll find is what you try that he says, it works. It works brilliantly. And it'll help you to become all that you, all that you um, have ever wanted. Um, that deep inside is going to help develop something in our lives. You know, there's a, um, another point in the Gospel where, um, so Jesus, he says this phrase a few times in the Gospels, and it's specific in Matthew, come and follow me. Right? And the first time we see it is he's inviting Peter to follow second time we see it, he's inviting Matthew to follow. Well, there's another point where there's a religious person that shows up, and it says that he came to Jesus, and he began to ask him questions about eternal life. He began to ask him about what, what it means to be right, right? And, 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 and Jesus asked him these questions. He says, well, if you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments. And, and the young man says this, well, which ones do I have to, to keep? And, he, and then Jesus goes through some of the commandments. He names them. You should don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, right? Uh, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother, Love your neighbor as yourself. And he doesn't say all of them, but he says a few of them. And it says that the man says this, All of these I have kept. What do I still lack? And what's really interesting is this would be a religious person that knows what to do, what not to do. And all the things Jesus said he was doing, but the things Jesus didn't say were the things that he was doing. Money had ca- captured his heart. He, was a, he, he, he wanted more and more of what others had. And one of the things that that he didn't say was not to covet. And when Jesus says this, he says, okay, well, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So for a religious person, he made the standards a little higher. He said, this, you should be somebody that knows more than what you're doing. You need to take a really big step. For a sinner and a tax collector, Matthew would have, would have said that that's who he is. It was an easy step, saying, just, just come and follow me. Just begin to trust. But for religious people, he's sometimes saying we have to shake what we're in the middle of out of us, right? So he was asking this, this rich young man to go and give away all his possessions. And it says that the young man, when he heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And then after this man went away, Jesus turns to the disciples and says, I'll tell you the truth, it's hard for somebody who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why would it be hard for somebody who's rich? Because rich people have everything. They don't need God. They don't need things. This is the danger we have in the United States. Is we can go to the doctor. We can go to the lawyer. We can go to the, wherever we need. We don't, we don't need God to intervene because we have all these other people. And many times we have enough resources and wealth or there's things out there that we can go to those. We don't need them. And this is what the point Jesus is making. Is when it comes to those that don't need God or recognize their need for God, they'll miss God. But for those who say, I can't do it without God, they actually find God. And the disciples say, well, how is it possible? He says, well, with man, it's impossible. With God, everything is possible. So Jesus shows up. He doesn't make it hard for the sinners. He doesn't make it hard for those that are far from God. And for religious people, he's always pushing against them, saying, you're missing out. You're missing the whole point of all this. Would you turn? Would you sell those things that have your heart, that have captured your heart? Would you say no to those things that have, have become so, so important to you that they keep you from doing what you're supposed to? Of loving others, of caring for others, of following God. Here's what I would have known if that young man would have done that. If he would have went and sold everything, gave it to, to the poor like Jesus said, I guarantee at some point he would have got more back. Not, not because he wanted more, not because of wealth. He would have got more relationships. He would have got more opportunities to make a bigger difference because that's how the kingdom of God works. When we're faithful to say, God, I'm going to trust you with my life, in turn, our sacrifice, our, our, um, that death to whatever it is he's asking us, produces some kind of resurrection in our life. It leads us to something better.
I guarantee if that young man would have trusted Jesus to say, you know what? I think you see something in my life that I don't. I'm going to trust you. Something has my heart that shouldn't have my heart. And if I can free myself from that, I'll now be free to accomplish all the things that you want me to accomplish. And that's God's invitation to us. And the reason for rich and the reason for religious people is so hard because those things have caught our heart and we don't want to let it go of them. We like to say that we're better than others if we're religious because we're doing the right things. But the truth is we're not. We're just like them. And we're doing the same things that, to them that we are, are, are accusing them of doing. And that's the thing Jesus hated about religious people is they missed Jesus in the middle of this. So today, for you, what is it? Is it a small step? Maybe it's a next step or is it a big step? God is inviting us to do something. For some of you, something has caught your heart and it's not letting go and you're not letting go of it. And your big step is to say, like maybe like Jesus, saying you need to go and get rid of all that so you can move on to the next thing. Others of you, it's just saying, you know what? I just, I just want to follow. Like, what does this mean? I'm going to begin to read scriptures and find out. In the Gospels, the four, the four writers, it's amazing how God would give us these, these stories and give us these accounts to help us see the life of Jesus and the invitation that he'd want us to go and do. So what is your, what is your step? Is it a big step? Is it a small step? Whatever you're doing, whatever you're watching, I know that God is inviting you to do something. So maybe if the begin, here's my challenge. Begin today. Pray this. Lord, where you lead, I will follow. Lord, where you lead, I will follow. And this would be our prayer. I believe if you're a Jesus follower, that needs to be on a, on a daily basis and sometimes throughout the day. Say, God, what do you want to be in this situation? Where are you leading me? And see, being a Jesus follower is not just about going to church, not just about reading your Bible, it's not just about praying. Those things are important. But it's not just about the actions. It's about the relationship that you have with God, with Jesus. And he invites us into that relationship. He asks us, he says, would you come and follow me? See, if Jesus was here today, and he was speaking to the camera, and he was speaking to you, I believe it would be the same invitation that he gave. Come and follow me. And when we follow him, he begins to transform and change our lives for us to, to be who he wants us to be in this earth. And I don't know about you, but in our day and age, we need that more than ever. We don't need more rules. We don't need more religion. We need more people who truly care about others. And Jesus modeled that for us. And he invites us to do the same thing for others. One of my favorite verses in the whole, all the Bible is found in Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. Revelation 3.20, it says this. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. And they with me. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anybody will hear my voice and open up the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with them. And they will eat with me. They're going to share a meal. So Jesus is, this is Jesus talking. So here I'm knocking. Notice he's not pushing down the door. Notice he's not forcing himself in. He's just saying, hey, it's an invitation for relationship. I'm here and I'm knocking. I'm standing, waiting. If you'll just open up your life, what's going to happen? We're going to share a meal. We're going to start this relationship. See, one of the things that I love about, about being a Jesus follower, about being a Christian, is that I have a relationship with a God who loves me. And it's not about performance. It's not about rules. It's about us saying yes to a friendship. Us saying yes to a God. It's not a, I have to do these things. It's a, I get to do these things. It's the fact that God is inviting me to make a difference with my life.
when he invited the disciples, he says, guys, I need to change your perspective. You think of yourself so superior and so good, and these others, that they're nothing. But I'm going to partner you together. So you can begin to see that you're more alike than you are different. And the stories he told, he would take those that were isolated and separate from society, and he would say, these people matter to God also. And he invites us into this journey of saying, people matter, and God loves them. And he gave his life for them. At school, I was a different person. But when I was 14 years old at summer camp, I told God, I don't want to be two people. I want to be one person. And I just want to be the, person, the same person all the time. And I remember looking back, 14 years old, I made a decision that says, I have decided that I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not looking back, I'm moving forward, I'm going forward. Today you have a choice. You have something in front, a decision you have to make that's in front of you. Who are you going to follow? So the question not is, are you following, but it's, who are you following? And today Jesus is inviting you to follow him. I look back when I was 14. It was the greatest decision of my life. In high school, I lost some friends. In high school, it was a little harder because of the choices I made, because of the principles that I said I was going to follow. But I don't regret a single day of it. Because by saying yes, I get to. God saved me from a lot of things that I maybe should have done or could have happened. And I'm so grateful that on this journey, God is saying, let me lead you. And here's the thing. Since 14 till now, I'm not perfect. I have issues. And God still loves those issues. He still loves me. And he's saying, I want to continue to lead you to become who you're supposed to become. And as long as I focus on what God wants to do in my life and not focus on what everybody else is doing, I allow God to work in my life, I become better. And my decision to follow him helps the world be better and my family be better because I get better. And because I follow his lead. I think of the disciples that said yes to Jesus. They left everything. They gave up things. They, they began to follow his lead. And then they, they believed so much that they willingly went to different parts of the world and gave their lives so others could find this relationship with God, this peace. And today, you have a decision to make. That's you. If you're ready, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Just a prayer of saying, God, I accept your, your invitation. Can I say yes to that relationship? I acknowledge and admit that I do. I need your help. Because remember what Jesus said, I, I've not come for the healthy, I've come for the sick. It's us acknowledging there's sickness in our life called sin that keeps us from God's best. So Dave, that's you. Would you pray this prayer with me? Would you say this? Say this. Say, Father God, today, I need your help. Forgive me of my choices, of my mistakes, of my sin that have led me away from you. Today, I put my trust in you. I open the door and I say, come in. I say yes to your friendship. I say yes to following you. Lead me and guide me. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to give us an example of how to live. Thank you for allowing him to die on that cross in my place. Think that he's alive today to model for me resurrection and a new life. I say yes to you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, let me just say welcome to the family of God. The greatest decision in your life is saying I open my life to God. 
I say yes to you, God. I'm going to follow your lead. Now the, now the journey begins. What is that going to look like? Well, it means you say yes to God. You say tomorrow when he's, when he's speaking to you, hey, you shouldn't do that. Right? Let's go this way better. You say yes, I'm going to follow. Hey, why don't you do this? Try this. You would say yes, God. I'm going to follow that lead. As you read through scriptures, read through the gospels, you read through the Bible, you begin to realize what it looks like to follow him and what he did. And then you do the same things. You love others. You care for others. Especially those that are different from you. Especially those that maybe you're in opposition. You'd pray for them. You would love them. You would care for them. All right? So if you pray that prayer today, do me a favor. Uh, sometime today, would you go on our website? And there's a, a our connection card. There's a place to check that says, um, I, I made a decision. I'll send you a resource, a free resource to help you. Say, here's some, here's some tools. Here's some um, next steps that you need to take right on this journey of following Christ. So you pray that prayer. I just want to say welcome to the family. It's glad to ha- I'm, I'm so glad to have you as part of the family of God. When you follow Christ and you let him work in your life, the world becomes better because you become more of what God has. And we can all use that right now. All right? Awesome.